And today I want to share with you about Resurrection Sunday. I want to share with you about how our God is a wonderful, merciful Savior. But I want to say one thing about how we're doing Resurrection Sunday or Easter, as it is more often called. Um, a lot of the times when we come to church and we gather on a big day like this, maybe we are accustomed for those of us who are Christian, who are a long church background, that today is all about the decision-making point for those who have not yet made a decision for Jesus. And for the rest of us, we come to, to, to Ikot Wayang and to have a lot of fun. It's not true, okay? That's not true. Easter, Resurrection Sunday has every part to do with those of you who have already made a decision for Jesus long before today. Resurrection Sunday is for every one of you here. Amen? Today, so as I share with you stories, I'm going to share with you three stories. And as I share those stories with you, whether um, you are not yet a Christian and you're here just to get to know us and just to see what this whole thing is about, or if you are very young in your faith and you've just discovered all that's going on and you're exploring to know more about uh, this faith that you have, or if you are... If you're a vet, right? You've been veteran, right? You've been, you've been doing this church thing for years and years. You've been walking with the Lord through highs and lows, through dark times and bright days, right? Um, either way, whichever way, today there is a message for you. And today, the stories that we'll be sharing, you'll be hearing here uh, from the pulpit, are meant to bring life and resurrection back to you. So what are the three stories I'll be sharing with you? Some very old stories. I'll be sharing with you one one very old story, one old story, and one story that is happening right now. Now, the very old story is some four or five thousand years old, right? It's the story of Moses, okay? Um, and uh, the, the old story is some 2,000 years old, okay? Depending on how you date it, 2,023 years old, there are 2,000 plus years old, right? Um, that's the story of Jesus. And then there is a story for every single one of us taking place today, right now. That's your story that's the story of the person sitting next to you. That's my story as well. Now, we're going to begin. I'm going to start by giving you a quick overview of the middle story, that old story, the Jesus story, the one that's been about 2,000 years old. Now, Jesus, we all know in Christmas, we celebrate Him being born lowly in a manger in a little town called Bethlehem. He grew up, He ended up being raised in a town called Galilee, right? And, and Galilee is probably like a, like, like a nowhere town, not very famous, you know? Um, and, uh, and when He came to age, at 30 years old, he began his public ministry. And then by that, I mean that he started going around teaching. He started going around healing. He started uh, to perform signs, wonders, miracles. He started to bring people. He started to help those who are helpless. In short, and in summary, he began to bring about a new way 
of living. He began to introduce to the people a new way to live together. A new so-called laws of physics have broken into this world because previously dead people could not be raised back to life. Previously, you could not command healing and to have people healed. You could not just cast out demons and have evil spirits leave someone. But now, it could happen. In other words, he was ushering in a new kingdom. He was inaugurating a new kingdom. And along the way, he called out the hypocrisy of the ruling class. Now, we got to know this. Okay? The entire context of Jesus and his public ministry was that the religious elite of his day had turned morality and the religious practices into a kind of status symbol, into a kind of social hierarchy, such that if you could do all of these religious things, you were socially mobile and high, right? So you had a place in society. And if you could not, then you did not have a high place in society. And of course, they went about to raise the bar way higher than what God had given them you know, in the law. They raised it to such a level of, it was an ungodly level, you know, um, and, then, and then represented to everyone that they were keeping those levels. And so that everybody failed to meet the mark. Religious access became an exclusive thing for the elite. And Jesus was furious with this. Absolutely furious. Go read your Bibles. You will see this story. And along the way, he called them out on their hypocrisy. Things come to a head. Eventually, he is arrested. He is tortured. He is beaten, flogged, brutally treated, and eventually tried, charged with some kind of old-fashioned sedition, right? He is charged with, with uh, uh, um, uprising against the, the Roman uh, uh, rule that is over their land at that time. And in the end, he is crucified. To be crucified, for those of you who don't have a Christian background, to be crucified is to have your hands, arms stretched out, your nails, they're about maybe 9 inches, 10 inches long. They are driven into... People used to think it was the palms, maybe more likely the wrist part of the hand, right? Driven right in across the plank. The feet will probably be laid over each other and one nail driven through both metatarsals into, into the beam, right? And you'll be hanging there. That was the most cruel, the most horrific way to kill anyone. The Romans reserved crucifixion for... Insurrectionists, people who are rebellious against the government, they reserve crucifixion for murderers. Pretty much the worst of criminals got the crucifixion, right? Uh, but it wasn't rare for Rome, uh, uh, for Rome, for the Romans to crucify someone. They would line the entire highway going into cities, and it wasn't just Rome. All across the Roman Empire, they would line the highway going in with the with the crucifixes and probably with still with dead people or dying people on them, so that as you enter the city, you know who not to cross. You don't offend the Caesar. 
because this is a, is a reminder for you. And this was the fate that befell our Lord, but it would not last because he was placed, his body was placed into a tomb. And after three days, okay, or, or rather on the third day, Friday is day one, even though it happened at the end of Friday, right? Day two is Saturday. On the early hours of day three, so it's not strictly speaking three days, it is the third day, right? On the third day, Jesus was raised back to life. His disciples had gone to the tomb expecting to embalm him, looking for the dead, quite strictly speaking. And the angel said to them, why are you looking for the living among the dead? They weren't looking for the living, they were looking for the dead. But the angel knew something they didn't know. The angel said, he is alive, he is not here, he is risen. And Sarah was just sharing with us the three most powerful words you can imagine, conceive of in his human history. He is risen. And because he is risen, this now becomes the story and this now becomes the prototype for every single one of us. This now becomes the archetype story, the baseline story for every one of us to live it out. So we also go through life. We go through highs, we go through lows, we, and we go through a death. We go through a death that sometimes we feel is just, sometimes we feel it's unjust, but whichever it is, we go through a death, but in Christ Jesus, we are raised back to life and life abundantly. So, we say that today, we are celebrating Resurrection Sunday. Wonderful, merciful Saviour. You know, to say that we need a Saviour suggests that we need something to be saved from, right? We need to be saved from something. If you don't need to be saved from something, then you don't need a saviour, right? So what are some of these things that we need saviour from? Now, we certainly need saving from these three things. They are not exhaustive. There are many other things I'm sure that you can think of. But today I want to share with you that you need saving from these three things. Number one, a bad situation. We all go through bad situations and bad situations pretty much mean that things that are just outside of your control. Famine, you know, uh, market crashes, right? Uh, um, someone falls sick, right? A bad situation that was outside of your ability to control. We need saving from evil entities. When I say evil entities, I do mean people who are all out in wickedness to get you. Yes, I do mean that. But I also mean the spiritual powers of darkness, demonic powers which are real, which also afflict all of us, and we do need saving from that too. And of course, the last one, which maybe, quite maybe, is the worst one of all, we need saving from ourselves. We need saving from our own, uh, our own afflictions, our own carnality, our own, our own worldliness, our own dirtiness, our own thoughts, our own weaknesses, our own sin. Sometimes we use the word sin in church, right? Our own wrongdoings, both wrongdoings against each other, but also wrongdoings against ourselves. Right? And I'll go through all three of this today. And so, my friends, why do we need saving? We've got many reasons why we need saving. And across the three stories that I was going to tell you, that very old story of Moses, this old story of Jesus, and our story today of all of us, 
in every one of them, you can see shades of, of, of the bad situation that they found themselves in, that they needed saving from. You'll see shades of evil entity, true, genuine evil that is out there in this world that they also need saving from. And then there is the condition of our hearts, that wicked, sinful condition of our hearts. Sometimes we see it often, or sometimes we see it in the mirror when we look in. Sometimes we don't see it and we genuinely think, we're okay, I'm okay, right? And then I want to show you how these three play out across all three stories. And now, having done the overview of the middle story, I want to go into the first story the Moses story and share with you how God saved them, how God was a wonderful, merciful saviour for them. Now, this is a painting of Moses leading Israel, his pe God's people, out, right? I like this painting very much, right? We're in a painting uh, 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 phase today. Okay, now, Moses, of course, um, was, was an ordinary guy raised up under extraordinary circumstances. And what was his bad situation? His bad situation was Egypt. Because he did not choose to be born in Egypt. None of his people chose to be in Egypt at that time in history. They were Hebrew people. They should have been living in the land of Canaan, many miles away. But famine struck in the time of his, of his ancestors, forcing them to get out of their land. And they left their land, they left their kampong. And they wandered, and they wandered, and they ended up in Egypt, where there was food, where there was drink, where there was store of, of nourishment. And that's a whole other story of its own. And here in Egypt, they were privileged and, and lived well for one generation and then very quickly the pharaohs changed and, and the favour left and suddenly for 400 years in total they ended up being there as a slave race as a slave race and a, an entire ethnicity raised up with only one identity known to them I am a slave I'm an Egyptian man's slave. I'm an Egyptian man's property. And it's normal for them to look down on me. It's normal for me to be second class, third class, fourth class, and no class. No class non-citizen in this land. And so God raised, God raised up Moses to deal with this, to bring salvation and to save them out of their bad situation because the pharaohs had gotten worse and they oppressed them even more heavily. And so that was their bad situation. But their bad situation was matched by an evil entity, which is the pharaoh. And let me tell you something that he did. They would have to, they would have to, 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 to beg bricks. How many of you know that bricks are actually baked? I didn't know until I read my Bible. You have to subject it to heat, right? Now, the Pharaoh restricted their, their supply of the materials and said that you still have to churn out as many bricks as you normally do. How many of you feel that in your workplace, sometimes staff headcount cut, 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 but your output still have to be the same? And some of you are in that situation. Amen. Hallelujah. And you're saying, God, I need a saviour. God, in the same way you saved God's people in Egypt, I'm feeling like my boss is like a pharaoh today. If your boss is here, right? Let's, let's suppose your boss is not here. 
What if you are the boss? <laughs> Hark ye, my friends. What if you are the boss? Right? There, there was an evil entity. There was an evil man at the top of this entire chain of evil and wickedness and oppression and tyranny. Right? They crushed the people. They crushed the people. It got as much. It was manipulative. It was cruel. It was wicked. But in the midst of all this, they also needed saving, not just from the Egypt situation, not just from Pharaoh, the cruel man. They needed saving from their own mindset, their own slave mindset, which was, which was set in over multiple generations, some three, four, five generations, some 300 plus years that they have been living there as slaves. And, and the story will go on to tell that God set them free. Amen? God did set them free. They did cross the sea in spectacular fashion. God did close the waters down on their oppressors. God did save them. And yet, across the other shore, there were many days when they grumbled and said, why are we here? Wasn't life better when we were back there? Why do we have to face all these threats alone? Why do we have to fend for ourselves? Back home in Egypt, at least we had food. At least we had wheat, right? That at least we had even meat sometimes But why this? We'd be better off if we were slaves At least we had homes to live in And so the slave mindset The mindset and the attitude and the posture That I am a slave Continued inside them So you can take them out of Egypt But you couldn't at least at that point Take Egypt out of them The same is true for every one of us we can take you out and trans God can transfer you out of darkness into marvellous light. But it does not mean that overnight you are fully transformed. It does mean that the darkness that still remains in you needs to be worked out day by day by walking closely with Jesus. We will get to that later. But this, this is the story that very old story and they needed a saviour and what God did was He broke their chains let them out in spectacular fashion closed the waters in so that all the Egyptians who went through to chase after them to claim them back were consumed by that sea and they were alive arrived on the other shore that's the story of the very old story of Moses now I want to tell you the old story of Jesus, about 2,000 years old now. This is a story, let me continue, of Jesus who was raised. And you heard the overview. Let me tell you now, what was the bad situation in the days of Jesus? The bad situation in the days of Jesus was that their land, their land, which some days we call the general area, the Levant, right? We call it Israel, but Israel is, is a difficult word to use because we have a national Israel that was formed with borders set in 1949 today. So it's not quite the same set of borders. Uh, you can call it the Holy Land. It's just a little bit more broad and loose spiritual term for it. But generally, that area of the land came under Roman rule. It had earlier come under Greek rule because because Alexander the Great started conquering much land. And after Alexander's kingdom just broke apart into four or five big chunks, you know, then that part eventually came under Roman rule. And then there were still Jewish leaders. The Romans allowed their Jewish leaders to rule that place, kind of like puppet 
puppet kings, you know, and the puppet king on their day was a king called Herod. So that was a puppet king. And then above the puppet king was a Roman governor called Pilate. And the people, the Jewish people who lived there, the Jewish people uh, who had been waiting for a saviour for a long, long time, were hoping that a saviour, a leader, a hero would rise up and overthrow overthrow this Roman rule, overthrow this Roman governor and establish a Jewish kingdom again, just like they had many years prior. Establish a king like King David, right? And establish Israel's, uh, that version of Israel's supremacy in the world. That was the bad situation they found themselves in. They longed to break free from another tyrannical, cruel, oppressive government. You see a pattern, right? You see the pattern. But it wasn't just the bad situation. They also needed saving from evil entity. And the evil entity on their day, as I shared with you a little bit earlier, was the religious elite. The religious elite had made access to spiritual things so difficult, so exclusive. They shut the gates on the people who just needed to find God. They had closed the doors on them and said, No, you must be so holy. Konon punya holy, not real holiness. Yeah. Okay? You must be so observant. You must be this level orthodox before I can open the door and let you in and then I close the door. And only the most exclusive, the most so-called law-keeping, it was their own law, it had gone way past what God had given them. Let me tell you how far they had blown past what God had given them. God said you cannot work on Sabbath day. So on the Sabbath, you cannot work, right? Um, if your cow falls into a ditch on the Sabbath, you cannot pick it up because picking it up would be working, okay? If you experience a wound, you cannot dress the wound because to dress the wound would be to cause the wound to, would be to work to heal the wound. If it heals by itself, that's fine because you're not working. If you dress the wound, you are working. You cannot dress your wound. Okay? It had reached the, the check, the box of whether you are following religious laws had reached such a ridiculous point, such an un, un, unreal and unloving point that religious and spiritual access was totally closed out to everyone except the highest of the highest ranking of the religious elite. Jesus, as I told you earlier, was furious with this because he wanted to spread his arms open and welcome people to receive forgiveness, welcome people to receive God's love, and welcome people to receive his goodness, right? And so, that was, they needed saving from that. And they needed saving from one more thing, from their own love for the spectacular. Now, there were a lot of things happening in the crowds. If you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, you will see this pattern across all four of those books, all four of those accounts of Jesus' life. You will see that the crowds will follow anything that was spectacular, anything that was hangat, happening, and trending, right? They will follow like clicking hashtag, wah, follow, 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 right? They would follow everything that was trending. And that's what they did. When Jesus was healing and the throng went, they were like, yeah, come on, heal, you know? And when, the, when, when Jesus was raising up the dead, they would go there and they would cheer as well. And guess what? It looks really good. It looks like this Jesus movement has a lot of followers. But they're not real followers. They're not loyal followers. Because this same throng 
would later, when the, when the trend shifts and the Jewish religious elite in cahoots with the Roman uh, uh, government are saying that, no, this guy is a criminal. We're going to sentence him to death. And one guy says, yeah. And everyone goes like, oh, yeah, crucify him. Give us a murderer instead. Give, send this guy to die. And they love the spectacle. They follow the lalang, maximum lalang in everything. Church, don't be lalang, huh? okay? Must have a pandirian, huh? must have, a, ma, 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 must have a, a, a backbone, okay? Yeah? And so these were the things they needed saving from. And so, my friends, that leads us to our own story. Our own story. And we do need saving from all three things as well. A bad situation that we found ourselves in. Evil entities, T or T's, hopefully not T's, that are around us. And ourselves. We need saving from ourselves. First, we need saving from a bad situation. Now, I don't know what you've lived through. Our friendship lasts about, goes back, some of us, about 10 years, so I do know 20 years, a small handful of you. Some, most of you, I know you for about three years tops since we planted this church. And so our friendships don't go very far. I don't really know all of your stories. But my friends, all of us have a bad situation. Something happened to you that you did not plan for. Maybe a market crash in 97, ruined your life for a period of time. It actually curtailed your future. Maybe you were looking to go to university. Maybe you had just started your business. Maybe something was happening for you. Maybe your older siblings had gone to uni and you were waiting for your turn and then the market crashed in 97. Maybe it wasn't 97. Maybe it was the one in, was it, 88? Or maybe it was the Lehman Brothers one much later in, say, 2010. I don't know what kind of bad situations has hurt you. Maybe it wasn't financial. Maybe someone fell sick. Maybe someone fell very sick. And that totally, your entire family life pivoted around that sickness. Maybe it was a family member. Maybe you lost a parent when you were young. Maybe you lost a sibling as you were growing up. Maybe it was you and your own body started to behave in ways that you never expected it to. And your entire life started to turn and turn into a dark side. My friends, I don't know what has happened to you. Maybe for some of you, it's relational. Maybe someone left you. Now, people leave each other all the time. Something I've come to learn. But maybe... But sometimes people leave each other in ways that are more cruel than others, in ways that are more hurtful than others, in ways that are more painful than others. And sometimes we hold on tighter than others. Sometimes we hold on tighter than we should have. And we can't let go. And sometimes it's not your fault. It just happened that way. We all need saving from bad situations. What is your story? You don't have to share it with anyone. But I want to encourage you. Just take a moment because I believe the Spirit of God is here. And He, 
if he wants to bring back an unhealed part of your childhood, now maybe you were abused, maybe you grew up in a manipulative environment and it was frightening because you wanted love and all you needed, what you needed to do to receive love was to obey very manipulative ways of raising someone. It could have happened with adults, maybe not even your parents. It may even have happened with teachers who were abusive. I don't know. Now the Lord is allowing us on this holy day, on this Easter Sunday, for you to access some parts of your childhood, some parts of your growing up, some parts of maybe your first marriage. I don't know what you've gone through. And He wants you to access some of these things because today He is here. And if you have an unhealed part in your past, the Lord wants to bring healing to it. He does not want you to walk with a limp. He wants to heal you completely. Now, someone else outside might give you a crutch and say the crutch will help you walk with your limp. And some days, if you get used to it enough, it might not even feel like you have a limp because you've grown used to the crutches that you have and sometimes that can be helpful. But the Lord Jesus wants to do far more than give you a crutch. He wants to heal you from deep within so you can eventually let down that crutch and say, I can walk again. Amen? Now, we also need healing and we also need deliverance and a saviour from the evil entities that are around you. Now, before I launch into this, I want to just give a little proviso, okay? There might always feel that there are evil people around you, really bad, wicked people who are treating you really bad. I just want to give a little proviso. Make sure it's not because you are annoying. Make sure it's not because you are also nasty yourself. Make sure it's not because you are also a thorn on someone's side, okay? Okay? Yeah, that must be said because we can't, we, we can't have... Uh, sometimes we can't have too high an estimation of ourselves. We need to be sober about our own thorny side. We need to be realistic that we are not angels ourselves. But what I'm saying, well, I'm not talking about that, okay? I'm talking about when there are people out there, say, who are really in cruelty, in wickedness, in malice, genuinely bent on breaking you down. And I want to just shed another bit of light on these people. If you were to find out their stories, you will see that they should be in this room today as well. Because they have parts of their past also wounded, also bleeding, also crying, also extremely, extremely offended in their past. Wounded, jaded, broken. They too are in need of a wonderful, merciful Saviour. And yes, they might be impossible to work side by side with. Yes, they might be impossible to live in the same house with. Yes, they might be impossible as a friend sometimes or you don't even know why they are in your life. But church, I want you for a moment to extend mercy to them. I want you for a moment to say that I wish they could be here to hear about a wonderful, merciful Saviour because I think they need one as much as I need one. But there, are, there is evil out there in this world. And maybe we are so mollycoddled in our nice, fairly well-curated middle-class lifestyle, whatever you want to call it, right? That, that we have aircon wherever we go. We got to sit in public transport and have like aircon or like sit in our car with aircon or we got to like sit in comfortable chairs or we got to go home and have TV. Netflix or YouTube and we've got everything on data and we're fairly comfortable 
in the 21st century. And we don't really know what it feels like to experience and come face to face with pure evil. But I can tell you the generations before us have seen it. And I can tell you that the generations after us will see it. And I want to urge you to keep your eyes open because if you look around, you will see it. There are people suffering every day. There are people walking our streets who cannot walk one kilometer without being stopped by a policeman to ransack their pockets, to ransack their bags, pretending to look for papers, but what they're really looking for is a cup of coffee. And they get bullied up and down our streets, our streets, our Malaysian streets. And they're pushed around. And that kind of evil exists in our country today. I just give you that one example. You can extrapolate to the many other evils that exist. But I also want to share with you that we need saving. We need saving from another kind of evil entity that is spiritual powers of darkness. Now, this is one area where as Malaysians or as Asians, we don't really need a lot of persuasion, most of us anyway, yeah? uh, um, don't really need a lot of persuasion to believe that hantu-hantu exists, right? that, that evil spirits exist. Maybe if I was preaching this in Let's take a random European country, Germany, right? Uh, um, we might have to work through the, the, the scientific way of thinking and the, uh, and the, and the empirical thing, you know, uh, to reach a place where you can accept that spiritual uh, realities are real. Spiritual realities are real. We know that. And it only takes uh, a, um, a late night with your friends and then suddenly, oh, my, oh yeah, I grew up in a haunted house too, you know? And we, we used to kind of uh, 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 crash while we were sleeping and I would be frozen and I can see everything but I can't speak. And now, how many of you guys have experienced that before. Just give me a little wave. You may, you know, right? You've experienced that. I used, I grew up experiencing that as well, both when I was traveling and also when I was home. Uh, um, I know of people who woke up and they've seen things running around their bed, you know. I know of people who go to hotels and they, they feel someone uh, squeezing their leg, you know. I know of like people who see things coming through the door, you know. I know of people, I've heard so many. Right? You all know ghost stories, right? I grew up with Singapore ghost stories, that black book with the red letters on the front, right? Right? How many of you use it? Those are really badly written, right? But we read them anyway, right? Makes you think that Singapore is this horrendous, haunted place, right? But Malaysia is actually no better, maybe worse, right? Spiritual powers of darkness are real. You see it in your Bible, Jesus went about casting out demons. He just spoke, He rebuked them, and they had to leave. And I've seen this happen with my own eyes as well. These are real. And if you feel that there are places in your house that you just feel like this bad vibe, it always feels like you walk into this room and your hair stands, you all know that feeling? How many of you, you know that feeling? You walk into a room, your hair just stands. Or you walk into a part of the house and you just never like to go there because it just doesn't feel right. My own house. My own house used to feel like that. There were parts of my house that just did not feel right. And it, before we moved in, we had a house cleansing and we were worshipped and, and we lifted up God's name and we, we took communion in the house. We anointed the house in oil and... And, and I can say that the house feels so much better. There were parts of our house last time where I just walk in and just, uh, just feels, just feels not, just feels la summer. You know what Chinese people say? Just feels dirty, right? Um, but not anymore. 
Thanks be to God. My resurrected King has set my own house free. And I believe that the Lord is in the work of setting your homes free, setting your people free. Amen. By the way, if you feel that there's something not right, please don't live, please don't live through it without help. Okay, come to Pastor Ramesh, come to myself. Okay, and and we will be your ordinary Legos busters. Okay, because it is the power of the living God, not us. Okay, go to your cell leader, right, and they will do something with you, right? We will come, and it's God's power that comes to usekan roh jahat, right, to kick out every evil spirit. Amen. Amen. So we do need a saviour, a wonderful, merciful saviour across so many areas of our lives. The bad situations that befell you out of your control, the evil entities that gapong you, right, and, and threaten you. And of course, we need a saviour from ourselves. We need that saving from ourselves. How many times have you said, promised yourself, I'm going to get up and exercise? And then you undermine yourself by not doing it. So that the next time you tell yourself, I'm going to get up to exercise, part of you it already knows you won't actually fulfill it. And then you do the same for, I'm going to get up and read my Bible. They say, today I'm going to fast breakfast. And then someone, some, you know, French toast or some like ham and cheese sandwich lands, and you're like, oh my gosh. I don't know if I can do this. And then you undermine yourself. And you keep lying to yourself because you tell yourself you'll do something and you don't do it. And you keep undermining and undercutting your own credibility to yourself. You need saving from yourself. And we need saving from ourselves because sometimes it's not even that kind of will and self-control. Sometimes it gets worse. It's a higher level of will and self-control because maybe you have a temper problem. And maybe when you blow... And no one in church knows, but maybe your family knows. And when you blow, it's really bad. I heard this story of a, of a pastor who was giving a, a sermon, not quite, maybe a bit like this, and he said that, I want everyone who, uh, um, uh, uh, who's, who, who's finding it hard to live with a family member to come up, you know, because we want to pray with you, you know, uh, because we want to set them free, and the pastor's wife comes up to the front. <laughs> And, 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 and the leader goes up and says, Sister, Pastor said only family members who are... She said, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Sometimes we need saving from ourselves. I'll, I'll be honest with you. There are days when I'm so stretched, when I blow. I'm not, I'm not nice, man, when I blow. I, I, I'm ashamed of myself when I lose my cool. And I think we all have... We all have that worst version of, of ourselves that if it was the tayangkan on the screen, we would be mortified, we'd rather die, right? We'd rather die than to have the world know that we can be like that. And yet, Jesus has seen you at your worst and He still loves you. Jesus has seen me at my worst and He still loves me. So we do need saving from ourselves. And I haven't even talked about the times when we infringe and we violate God's moral ways, His righteous living, and the things that He desires for us, the high calling He has called us, and all the times we just not even say shoot but miss, but just don't shoot at all, or shoot in other directions and run away, you know, uh, um, uh, and, and try, to, try, try to flee from His presence. 
I'm not even talking about that. We always need saving from a bad situation, from evil entities, and from ourselves. Now, I'm going to say this. Jesus rescues us from all this. Jesus rescues us from this situation. Let me tell you how and how this leads into Resurrection Sunday. Because Jesus, as I told you in his story, right, was entirely innocent. And that, I think it's so important that Jesus in his innocence went to suffer and went to a punishment that he did not deserve. And I think his innocence is extremely important. Because if any one of us had to pay for some kind of wrongdoing, if we search ourselves, we'll say, yeah, actually, I kind of deserve it. Like, I, I have a real mouth on me. I can be really nasty when I fight, right? And I can, I, I, if I want to fight and hurt, I can really fight and hurt. And maybe we can admit to ourselves. Or maybe we can say that, oh, actually, I, I admit, I can be really gossipy, and I know I've told things to people, and people and people have made people fight before, right? Admit, right? Or maybe we say, oh, my my." My, my, my imagination is wild. Like when, I, when I'm angry with someone, I can literally like, like imagine myself you know, destroying them. Like it, it's bad. It's bad. You know? And you say that if I'm held account to anyone, to 1% of all of these things, I think I deserve it. But Jesus did not deserve it. He was perfect. Perfect in all his ways. So his innocence was extremely important. His willingness was also important because he did not he was not forced to go to the cross sometimes we ask this question why did jesus have to go to the cross he did not have to go to the cross he went to the cross on his own will no one made him and yet there was a battle of will inside him he cried out in gethsemane saying father if this cup can pass from me then let it pass from me you know he's there's a battle of wills in him and yet the side of him that obeys and yields to the Father always wins, he says, but yet not my will. Your will be done. Amen? He was willing. And not just that, he was innocent, he was willing and he bore a suffering. The punishment that was due to me for all the times I blew on my kids and I have quite many times in my life all the punishment that was due to every single one of us for all the wrongdoings that we have all done all the wrongs that you have done to each other and also to yourself and also to God all of that was poured out in one place at one time on one man that's Jesus on the cross he carried the suffering so his innocence his willingness and the sheer weight of the suffering coming together on the cross. He absorbs it. He sucks it up. He holds it. He contains it. He holds it until the punishment is over. And because He holds it until the punishment is over, the power of punishment, the power of, of retribution, the power of, of, of condemnation, the power of death is quenched. It's quenched on the cross. It does not go anywhere from there. It stays there. It ends there. It is finished, said Jesus on the cross. It sucks it up once and for all so that it doesn't have anywhere else to go. Death died here. Punishment died there. 
Your sins, my sins, and the retribution owed to us died there. It is finished. On the third day, the tomb was open. Jesus was alive. Because of His innocence, because of His willingness, because of the sheer weight of suffering that He endured, He wrested the powers of death away from the one who had control of death. That is the devil, Hebrews chapter 2. And now He controls the power of death and He bestows everlasting life. He holds back death from those who are in Him. And as He has died, when we die in Christ, as He is resurrected, we are resurrected in Christ. And so, we are alive forever. My friends, today, our four baptismal candidates will go out to the back. They will enter the waters of baptism. And as they enter those waters, it's like Moses leading the Israelites out of Egypt into waters as well. Though the waters in those cases were piled up like two walls on their left and on their right, they entered those waters. In the same way, Jesus entered a different kind of waters. He entered a tomb, the death. He entered that death. Today, every single one of us will remember the death that we entered into in Christ. Not alone, in Christ. And the four of them will enter those waters. Now, when Israel passed through the sea, it took a long time to get out. When Jesus went into that tomb, it was only on the third day He got out. For the four of them, it will be very fast, okay, guys? It will be very fast. It will be like, bish, okay? It will be like that. We're not going to But it means the same thing. You enter death, you die inside, you come out of death, and you are a new creation. And in the same way, Pharaoh looking at the sea and having an account of all the people who were his slaves... And he says, Vincent, he's dead to me. He's gone. I don't have access. I can't, I can't reach him anymore. Eileen, she's dead to me. She's gone. I've cr crossed her out. It's as if she, she's died to me, right? Chong, Bill, gone. Sam and Shirley, gone, right? And the enemy has no more access to you. He's had to die to you. Effectively, you have died to them. As far as he could see, the water is covered and everyone died. He's crossed them out. So too, the four of you, so too all of us who are in Christ. When you have gone into the waters of baptism and you come out, the enemy sees you and says, I've lost hold on you. I've lost my grip on you. Dead. Dead to me. Jay, I have no hold over Jay anymore. Scarlett, I've got no hold over Scarlett anymore. Bradley, Marilyn, no hold over them anymore. And they have no more legal rights over you. So that even if he ever comes to Kachau, you, you can call upon the name of Jesus and he has to go. 
has to go because you now belong to God. If there is anyone here who has never made that decision, never made that decision to make Jesus Christ your Lord, your Saviour, your King, your wonderful, merciful Saviour, today I want to invite you right now in your own heart to make that decision. You don't have to raise your hand right now. You just have to make the decision. Say yes to Jesus. Yes to Jesus. I want you to save me. Save me from my bad situation. Because I grew up in really bad situations. I tell you, I know of a friend who was raised up in a home that was broken from the time he was a child. And today, because he's walked with the Lord, he has not grown up in bitterness and anger. Today, he's happily married. He has a child. And he's raising up uh, uh, that child in a stable, responsible home where he is modelling to his child what a responsible father will be like. And for many years, he was not sure if he would ever be a good father. See, your bad situation, you walk in Christ, he may not, he, he did not bring his parents back together when he was a child, he grew up in a broken home. But God redeems it, you see, he finds a way, he cuts a new road out of death. You need saving from evil entities. I once ministered to a guy who was, he, when, when, he, when he turns, he really turns, his voice changes. <coughs> like that, you know? And you can see the demon manifesting in him. And we prayed for him. We prayed for him and eventually his hand, which felt like lead, could finally be lifted up and the whole gathering of us were worshipping and worshipping and eventually he could lift up his hand until at one point, pivotal moment he fell to the ground and he was writhing and shaking on the ground because the power of the enemy and the power of God was, was tussling over that man and we kept on worshipping until he let out a cry, literally like the cry in the Bible, ah! and then it's like a breath came out from him and then he calmed down and his normal voice came back and he could stand up, he could raise his hands, he could praise Jesus, he could say, he could say Jesus lah Tuhan, this was in the BM church right and I just want to say that you and I can see the power of God in the bad situation, in evil, in the face of evil, and in our own selves. Church, let us pray. Let us pray. Can I invite the worship team up on stage? Resurrection is important because without resurrection, there is no new life. Jesus would still be in the tomb. We would have no hope. And this would be it. We jalan sampai sini, but akhilah di sini, right? If there is no resurrection. But because there is resurrection, we don't just enter the waters of the sea. We don't just enter the waters of baptism. We don't just enter the tomb. We come out of it. And those who are in Christ Jesus go in and come out with Christ Jesus. I want to speak to the Christians first. For all of us, who have been walking with Jesus, whether short or for a long time. I'll speak this over you. What do you need saving from? What do you need saving from? If there is something very specific, you know, you know you need saving from it. You know you need a power outside of yourself because on your own, you just cannot do it. We want to pray for you today. Can I invite everyone to rise to their feet? Everyone rise to their feet. For those of us who are believers, if there is a power 
that you need from on high because you are facing a situation that is so dire, so like a dead end and you can feel that the, 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 whatever that is pursuing you coming up from behind you and you're stuck and you need prayer. You need a last ditch tackle from God to lift you out of that dead end. While we are worshipping here, I want to invite you to step out to the front. We want to pray together with you. It doesn't have to be long and you don't have to stand in front of everyone. You can just stand on the side. Someone will pray with you. Amen? Amen? All hands down for a moment. All hands down. If you receive Jesus as your Lord, your Saviour, your wonderful, merciful Saviour today, for the first time, if you prayed that prayer just now, or if you want to pray that prayer right now, I just want to invite you to stretch your hand all the way up and then put it back down. I'll be able to see it. For everyone else, no one else looking around, all, heads, all eyes closed, all heads bowed. If you want to receive Jesus today as your Lord and Saviour and King, and if you said that prayer just now, or that's the cry of your heart, you want to say yes to Jesus. I finally want to say yes to Jesus. Just stretch your hand all the way up and you can put it down. I just want to give you a chance to respond. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you have walked very far from God and you want to come home to the Lord, you have walked far. When I say walk far, I don't mean, oh, I forgot to read my Bible for one week. I don't mean that, okay? I mean you really walked far. You left Him. You effectively left Him for a long time. And somehow you ended up here. I want you to stretch your hand up and put it down. Amen. Amen. Thank you. No one looking around is really stretching a hand for the Lord to see. Just stretch your hand and put it back down if you want to come home to the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to pray with all of us right now. Father, we thank you that you are our Savior and you are bringing lost sheep home. And today, Lord God, you're reminding us that you are near. You're not so far. We don't have to cross the, the, the sea to find you we don't have to scale the highest mountain to reach you we don't have to plumb through the deepest seas to get to you you have done that through Jesus Christ and in Christ we are close to you Lord Jesus I pray that you be close to my sisters and brothers here today so Lord Jesus we want to thank you we thank you for this Resurrection Sunday and I pray for every one of us that we see breakthrough. Church, if there is a, if there is a bad situation you are looking to overcome, in Jesus' name, I speak breakthrough over you right now. In Jesus' name, I speak a, a revival and I speak a new road to come out of dead ends and God will open up newness for you so that you can step out into newness it will not and may not look like the salvation you hoped for but when God is in the house he has his way of working and I'm praying that his way will turn out to be far better than the way that you had hoped for and his hand upon you 
If you are looking for salvation from evil around you, I pray in the name of Jesus, you break every chain of darkness and every power of spiritual darkness, every demonic power, every oppression, every spirit that causes fear to leave right now in Jesus Christ. We break your power by the name and under the blood of our Saviour. And in Jesus' name, we command full restoration and setting free of captives right now. In the name of Jesus, you are set free. You will be set free in the name of Jesus. And Father, I pray for ourselves. Just lay your hand on your heart and with this we will close. Father, in Jesus' name, I lay my heart before you. My heart, which is a mixture of all kinds of good intentions, but also all kinds of fleshliness, worldliness, sickness, sin, and wrong. I bring my heart before you, Lord. May you transform me. May you change me. May you do a work deep inside me and bring me to look more like Jesus so that you can shape and reshape me that I may be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit and be conformed according to your pattern. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Now the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord turn His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His beautiful face to you and give you peace. And all of God's people say, Amen. Amen.